Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 3, Episode 26, our awesome interview with our buddy Mike. Come hear our amazing discussions with our special guest, Friendly Mike. Learn how we all met. Listen to us geek out about old school D&D, New World AI and what it means to the game and the world in general. We talk all about art and give Jim credit for his amazing growth in this area. Listen to me be a grumpy old man and vent. Then hear Mike talk me down off the ledge. Then we pommel poor Mike with a round of rapid fire questions. All this and more in our latest episode of 13 Sided Die. Alright, adventurers, we are back on the uh, podcast radio station here, 13 Sided Die, coming at you. Uh, Sean here with my good friend. Epic Jim. Epic Jim. Uh, very excited about today's episode. Uh, we have a special guest coming on board with us, uh, a gentleman known as Friendly Mike, uh, amazing artist, uh, tattoo artist, et cetera, et cetera, uh, a member of the Ardcon Fellowship. And uh, what, all around good guy? Is that about, uh, is that everything on his business card? I'm trying to remember. Oh, there's way more than that. Is there? There you go. I haven't seen his business card in a while, so <laughs> we'll have to ask him. But yeah, we're both very excited to have uh, Mike on. Um, it's going to be such a fun conversation. And um, other than that, I, I think I'm just, I'm really happy that we're here. This almost didn't happen because I got my calendar screwed up. I thought it's tomorrow. And luckily Jim was on the ball and reminded me and we had to shuffle a little, but uh, everybody was very generous and gave me a little bit of space to make it happen and uh, yeah we're here and we're excited and uh, yeah anything you wanted to kind of just mention at the beginning here Jim anything going on or something you want to talk about um, well I just want to say it's pretty awesome what we're recording what two weeks after we released the last episode so I mean for 2024 we're off to a pretty good start <laughs> we have a perfect record yeah perfect <laughs> record so far it'll only be what a couple of weeks before we kill that but that's okay we'll do our best yeah. um, no that yeah. is really good no, just uh, stoked to be back and really stoked to talk to Mike, good buddy of mine. So. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really good. And uh, yeah, I think that is a bit, last year, like we said, was kind of hectic. Um, we did have an ARDCON meeting this week, which was fantastic. Uh, and this year is going so much smoother than last year because last year was literally forging into new uncharted lands. And so it's a lot easier this year kind of picking up where we left off. And so um, I think that did kind of put a bit of a, uh, um, uh, a monkey in the wrench so to speak last year with kind of our podcasting we were a little bit slacker on stuff but anyways uh this year is a bit more focused and we'll be back on the podcast trail so anyways i think that's enough ramble from us uh, i would love to get mike in here and just start our conversations so if all you amazing listeners out there could give a very very warm welcome to our good friend uh mike and uh yeah mike uh welcome to the show gentlemen big fan thanks for having me on yeah, uh, Mike is probably one of our top fans. We we absolutely love him. And uh, we've had a number of conversations about the different episodes we've had. And uh, we kind of thought it'd be fun maybe to talk a little bit about how we got to know you, because uh, it's kind of two sides of the fence here. So, uh, you know, Jim, why don't you uh, maybe start a little and uh, you and Mike can discuss a little bit about how you guys kind of met. 
Well, how me and Mike met, so one of my good buddy, uh, Nick, who I work with, he was getting a tattoo uh, from their shop, and he saw like a D&D book on the shelf. He's like, hey, if you guys like D&D, you should like follow my buddy Epic Jim. So then Mike started following me then, and I, I kind of, that's how I, you know, we, we kind of chatted here and there on Instagram. Not too much, though. It's a little bit back and forth. And then uh, one week, my wife was trying to get a tattoo. She's getting a portrait of her dog that passed away on her arm. And she was back and forth with this tattoo shop for like a week and all these long emails and stuff. Just a headache. And then so she finally booked it. And I was like, oh, you're going to go get that tattoo on Friday? I was like, oh, I should see. And this was just a couple days out. So I just sent Mike a DM. I was like, hey, man, do you, I'll let you tattoo like any D&D monster you want on me. Like if you're down, he's like, dude, I can totally get you in. And then my wife was so mad because our conversation was like three lines long. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got tattoo for Friday, too. <laughs> so bad. And then, yeah, I showed up to his shop and we just clicked since then. We we're both uh, Sagittarius bros. So that's pretty sweet. And yeah, the rest that's, is history on that. That's sick. <laughs> Uh, we definitely suffer from same brain syndrome all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but like we found out yesterday, it's terrible when we're both uh, like in a lull. Oh, because it's same are... brain and just and we're both just like nothing, just throwing stuff at the wall. Nothing's sticking. <laughs> but if we're, when we're both on fire, the ideas are just flying ass like crazy. But <laughs> that is awesome. I know um, for Mike and I, um, I think it goes back like 10 or 12 years ago, um, Mike, uh, my, my son, my younger son, Connor, was getting his very first tattoo. And I said I'd come along, tag along with him and um, met this awesome dude who's doing the tattoo that turned out to be uh, one of his co-workers. Uh, I think you were working at the same uh, bar or restaurant as my son was at the time. And uh, that's kind of how I met Mike there. And uh, we had some fun conversations, a really nice dude. And um, then uh, I didn't, I think you probably moved to Edmonton not too long after that, Mike. I don't remember. Within the next two years. Yeah, I thought so. Because I didn't see Mike for quite a long time. And then Jim says at one point in time, he goes, hey, man, do you want to come? We're playing a game. It's really awesome. Really good D&D game. Good good bunch of people. And there's some other stuff we might want to do. Are you interested in being involved? I'm like, sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm totally down for that. And it's Mike. (laughs) It's like, I know that dude. He's awesome. (laughs) So it was just really funny how this kind of came together uh, from, kind of like I said, two sides of the fence. And so I I stand by that, Mike. You are really awesome. Oh, thanks, pal. I appreciate that. Uh, High high praise coming from great guys like yourselves. Uh I just always think that the the way the three of us hooked up is so funny because Canada is like the biggest small town in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm here down in Calgary. You're up in Edmonton and Jim's out in Hinton. Like we're pretty far separated from each other, really. Oh, yeah. Geographically, this huge difference, you know, (laughs) but like when you get interested in these niche hobbies, like you find each other, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're neighbors in the hobby community. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to our European friends, uh, you know, if you're not too familiar with the map of Canada, which I don't know why you would be. It's like, you know, I'm in London, England and, you know, Mike's in, you know, Berlin, Germany and uh, Jim's over in Switzerland. Like it's, you know, like that's how far apart we are in reality. Like it's bonkers. (laughs) Anyways, Mike, I think would be really great to maybe let you introduce yourself a little bit to the the group of people and um, kind of let you know them know a little bit about you. 
if you don't mind. And then maybe you can kind of go into a little bit about how you got started with uh, D&D, uh, TTRPGs, role-playing, all that kind of stuff. Is that is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Awesome. Uh, by trade, I'm a tattooer. Um, I've been doing that for a little while now. Um, but I am uh, just about a lifelong fan and participator in the Dungeons and Dragons community. I got involved when I was um, probably 12 or 13 years old. And I'm uh, one of those, uh, I'm one of those kids that fell victim to the, the real predatory marketing TSR had in the <laughs> early nineties, where they were releasing, um, they released a game called Dragon Strike, which was specifically meant it's basically D and D light. And it was spectacular. You got all the models and the dungeons. It came with a v, uh, VHS tape mm. um, laid out a, a, an adventure for you in a campaign at, and had a, a dungeon master or GM walking you through the steps of how a game should be played out. And then there's was a secret end to the tape that was meant only for the person who was going to be running the game for you. Cool. Um, Oh man, you can still find um, the full video on YouTube for free still. Uh, mm -hmm. you, and I watch it every once in a while, and I'm not going to lie to you, I still like it. It's still <laughs> um, but uh, we got that, and I fell hook, line, and sinker for tabletop gaming after that. Um, I think that led me to then obviously Hero Quest, which was a big one, Battlemaster, which was another big one. Although that one's a little more forgotten these days, but man, the the minis you could get for pretty reasonable prices and uh, the lore and kind of familiarizing yourself uh, with wargaming and tabletop gaming uh, worked really, really well. And all of these products were meant to direct you into Dungeons and Dragons, basically. And it worked perfectly. Uh, by the time I was 14, I connected with a local gaming store uh, and was like um, meeting uh, biweekly, monthly to do sessions, playing different campaigns, so on and so forth. I mean, I cut my teeth with the old, uh, the oldest systems because I, in those days, the communities that you played with were a lot smaller. So I ended up sitting in in games with guys that were a lot older than me. So they would be running uh, basic edition because they knew that one the best. And sometimes advanced, like mm. first. Edition. You guys remember that? Then, kind of oh. when I went on my own with my own group of friends, it was more three, three point five, and it's been so incredible to watch the hobby grow over these years, because I can remember still very clearly, like being younger and playing it. Like this was like a whispered thing. There, there yeah. was a mm -hmm. taboo associated with it, right? Yeah, John, I know you. You know very much, yeah. of it, right? And it was one of those things too, where it was be like, there were definitely social interactions in my life where uh, later you'd meet another adult who, who was into the hobby and maybe they'd see like some art or something that you had or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you know, D and D and you'd be like, <laughs> you're like, Oh, where's this going? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Nine times out of 10 though, you know, that it was someone who was also interested in the hobby. just wanted to talk about it, but now it's become, uh, a staple of pop culture yeah the the value of collective storytelling i think uh 
is is recognized by everyone you know yep i can and i can remember having those thoughts too playing as a younger man um where there i would when you when you know when you get that that energy going and the the your everyone is just immersed in the story and uh the characters and uh like really in the moment of the game and i could remember thinking to myself like wow like these exercises in imagination i'm like if people could just see this part of it you know they'd understand why it's so special and i feel like that was the greatest thing the guys at critical role were able to do for the hobby yeah they were able to like really showcase the best parts of the hobby you know Mm. and from there it's steamrolled like like I always kind of suspected it might, if there was a way to get that out there, you know? Yeah. I think you're totally true on that, Mike. Um, you know, like, you know, I always joke that when back in the day you had to have like a secret handshake with somebody to know, like they were a proper D and D dude before you'd get into a conversation about it. Um, and now it's just, it is so completely open. Like you can talk about it to pretty much anybody, you know what I mean? And if they don't even know anything about it, you're not met with that. Ooh, what is that? You know, like, it's just, it's more intrigue. People want to know about it. Um, which I'm not trying to be that dude who likes a band that doesn't like a band when everyone likes that band. Um, you know, uh, but I have, to admit from playing it for so many years that some that does sometimes that that does hit me a little bit like it's just like this was kind of our thing and it's kind of a drag and sometimes it's a drag it's like a whole world thing um i love people coming to it i think we've said this before it's not monopoly it's not trivial pursuit like it's not you know settlers of Catan. like it is not a game it's a an adventure it's a it's a it's a whole series experience. of yeah it's an experience a whole series of linked game experiences that make a whole campaign and those things can be a year long i've literally played campaigns that lasted seven to ten years long the whole campaign you know and we were playing quite frequently so you know you've got level 20 something characters and stuff it's just bonkers but i think for me some of the those feelings come up when I see people so excited about it. They've played for six months. And my question comes up is like, are you going to be here in four or five years? Like, cause to me, it's, it's become a lifetime thing. And I think to get the most out of the game, it's something you have to play for a, a length of time. It's not saying you play for a couple of games and you know, you're done. Like you can be, but that isn't the experience experiences that almost like a grind it's like going through it because you you as people go through that adventure as well with your compadres around the table and like i've been in campaigns where some of my players in real life have passed away you know what i mean and some have moved away we played with a gentleman who moved to australia we played really bonkers weird times on the weekend so they could tune in over like an early days of voip to be able to be playing in the game still like it's that commitment and that thing so again i'm not trying to throw shade at anybody but i don't i would hope people see it as more than just that i'm playing a board game like it's it's a thing it's 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 a it's a lifestyle almost well i feel like it's a blessing and a curse right yeah with where we are right now with the hobby the blessing being we're we're living through a renaissance of interest in the fantasy genre which is incredible to see there's more uh attention to the genre than i've seen in my entire life and because of that it's bringing more artists more writers more people wanting to participate in the tabletop you know which is then in turn producing more products like all kinds of cool stuff like remember that bag of holding you got me jim yeah 
that thing is so dear to my heart. You know what I mean? <laughs> but awesome, like never exist if it wasn't for this influx of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like it's just a silly bag that says bag of holding <laughs> and it holds a heck ton of dice in it. But <laughs> being able to hold that in real life uh, when I was uh, it just like hit me right, like pretty deep in the feels, you know? And so I feel like even if uh, we don't end up with a huge group of uh, core people that kind of like stick around in the hobby, maybe at least they, they gave it a try and checked it out. You know, uh, how does that saying go? It's like a, a high tide raises all ships, right? Yeah. 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 I, I find I do have to really check myself on it because a job of someone that has been doing something for a long time is to bring the others along and to shoot, to provide to them your shared knowledge, experience and passion to bring them along. So I do have to kind of check myself sometimes that I don't fall into that other camp of like, my band was cool. It sucks now because you like it. Um, <laughs> and, we, and we finally got a good D&D movie. Yeah, <laughs> how many years do we have to shit D and D movies, and now they actually came out with a good one. <laughs> did, did it do well enough that they're going to continue some more? Do, is there any word on that? Does anybody know? No, I've been, I haven't heard, but I haven't, I haven't. been close to tabs. I, I think even movies that do good nowadays, though, aren't guaranteed to get no more. Just you know, directors change and people get canceled and things yeah. get moved hands and well. Yeah. And also, this brings me uh, into another topic I was hoping we could touch on as well, it, with the rise of AI. Mm. Um, mm. Because my favorite shows right now are on Instagram being generated by AI creators. I love those so much. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I hate that I love them, but I do. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, the, for, like, some shout outs, like, I, I, um, I'm so tuned in to the vegetable war that the fractal knot is putting out. It's unbelievable. Yeah. There's cabbage whales and artichoke people fighting care people. Oh. Like <laughs> I can't believe how invested I am in this, you know, <laughs> and then the gossip goblin is putting out, oh, yeah. uh, uh, like just kind of slice of life stories of a gnome wizard, it, like wandering through his world. Like they're great. Every day I'm checking to see if there's new ones up there, you know, <laughs> And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a movie guy. I love mm. the film. I love cinema, you know, but I'm finding myself more and more checked out on it and more and more checked in to what these other creators are making. Uh, it's like, again, another Renaissance is really media, right? Like in the last five years, it's really spun where it's like, you know, you can do really cool stuff through YouTube. You can do cool stuff through, like I said, through Instagram. Like there's a lot of different channels for media now than there used to be. Um, we were talking about, you know, did that movie do well enough to have another one? Um, that whole idea of what is good is really interesting. I heard a clip a guy talking on the radio the other day talking about what we would consider to be like you know kind of popular music stuff that we know that we feel is you know well known and would expect to have done well and the recording companies he said the number they say of the amount of songs that kind of you know that are out there that they feel did well in their books is four percent four percent yeah it's just like what like mm -hmm. So, A, I think they have way too high standards as to what's good uh, or what did good. But it also is just 
scary. And, you know, and that's, that to me goes into this whole side of like, the world is so back-assed right now about, you know, recognizing financially what is good. And I fear that, you know, what we know as Dungeons and Dragons is potentially on the, on the edge of a cliff right now because of their, you know, the drive from the larger companies that own the franchise to what they want to do, you know, that they want to see it as a, as a, a place to make money. And they don't make a lot of money from selling books. A person well, buys a book and they don't have to go and buy, you know, another book for a length of time. And dreaming that their little, you know, the, the VTT video thing is a subscription model that will give them money. It's, it's, it's scary. It's, that's a really good point too, because the heart of this hobby is the books. Yeah. Uh, I have the, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if this is um, still the same with contemporary uh, gamers or not, but for me through the hobby, um, especially back in the day when it was a lot harder to um, get games going and have mm. them played consistently, um, you always had your books yeah i like and so and uh, you know when you needed to scratch that itch or you just needed that imagination boost you know you'd always go back to them and flip through the modules you had look for ideas like over and over and over again um one that i i have literally um uh, carried with me all over this country for 20 something years is um the shady dragon inn mm. which you guys know that, eh? Like, what a cool little companion, like, uh, supplement that you were able to pick up, right? And I, I, I've probably spent hundreds of hours in my head going over all the characters, reading their little descriptions, making parties to be like, oh, if I ever get a game together, like, and what, like, what, what party would be suited for what kind of adventure, this and that, and the other thing, you know? Go. How many times have you guys flipped through the monsters manual? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. just the art, the descriptions of the characters to get ideas of the world that they live in. It's yeah. inspiring. And I feel like that creates a really tangible bond between the realm of imagination that we all love so much and the real world that we have to live in, you know? Yeah. But My it's difficult to convince a company that they're that 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 has a monetary value, you know? Mm. I, I have Two questions that kind of just popped in my head, Mike, regarding these things we're talking about, and I'd love to hear your your thoughts on this. First one is that if they do tank their brand, right, and that's a possibility, and there's other people out there right now that are coming up with their own, you know, role-playing games and systems, how do you feel about playing something other than a Dungeons & Dragons format game? And the other one that is tied to it goes really to the heart of the books and the artwork. There was all that, you know, big controversy, uh, if you're British, uh, recently about some of the artwork being AI enhanced. It wasn't generated, right? They didn't say, like, you know, create me a crazy looking, you know, giant. Apparently, it was like some of the... Um, original artwork was tweaked or something using AI as a, an amazing artist. How do you, how do you feel about that? So those are kind of the two things I'd love to hear your insights. Uh, if you have any thoughts on that. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, really? Both, both points. Yeah. Believe it or not. Um, okay. So to your first point, mm -hmm. um, always, I felt that there was a value 
in us sharing this hobby in in a unified umbrella. Yeah. That, makes, that being said, because um, yeah, I've been I've been hearing similar stuff. I think to what you're alluding to is like Hasbro might be putting things up for sale and. And then, and then it sounds messy and it sounds bad for everybody to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but the way I look at it is the cat is kind of out of the bag with this, you know? Um, and I, I think the worst mistake Hasbro has been making this entire time is um, trying to put the genie back in the bottle mm-hmm. because whether or not you're playing official, licensed dungeons and dragons 5e with all the proper merchandise and everything else you know how many variations to your homebrew do you make before now it's not that how many models do you substitute in until it's not that so i feel like almost as soon as it hits the table you're already one degree of separation away you know Mm -hmm. but if if when when you have that umbrella we're all still playing dd you know, yeah. like the, last, the last campaign we all played together was like a weird mashup of basically, you know, kind of like a hybrid of basic and first edition kind of mashed together. I was it was a homebrew basic system. Right. But it was like I still would have said we're playing D&D. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think that is kind of the most important part. Like, it's weird that the suits don't see it's out of their hands now. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like. They, they can sell it and change it and do whatever they want. As long as we're all dungeon diving while you're doing it, you're going to be like, yeah, we're, it's D and D night. We're doing D and D. Yeah. Yeah. We, we played Merp, right? Middle earth role playing probably right. for like 15 years. Like we kind of stepped away from D and D, but when yeah. people ask, I still said I played D and D. That's, and that's you know, like, my point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that's the same. It's like, um, not to get like too nerdy. I realize this is like a nerdy podcast, but like you can be as nerdy as you want, buddy. <laughs> but like you know, like you you see all the variations that have come out now too, right? But like whenever you're in forums and stuff like that, in the discussions and stuff, people are still generally referring to it as D and D. Yeah, you know, even though the me- mechanically it's a little different or you're using different models or you're not using models. It's all theater of the mind or what, whatever your, the specifics are. Yeah. Still D and D. Yeah. I think what I think is going to happen here. If I was, if someone asked me to predict, what do you see in the next one to two years is I think you're going to see a bunch of people camp out on five E like, shit's gonna happen they're gonna do their stuff i mean these new books they're talking about are already delayed like whatever and and maybe the one D stuff maybe it'll, the ideas is supposed to upgrade these books to make them more useful fine maybe that happens too but i think there's gonna be a certain uh, number of people that will gravitate towards a video you know tabletop kind of session i think some people would like that and that's probably the people who are already are gamers they're playing mm-hmm. video games but the majority of the people that are D&D people are not, it's not about that. It's about sitting in a room together. If you can't do that, it's like sitting like we are right now on Discord face-to-face talking and doing something as opposed to like, you know, staring at like little video people running around. Um, 
But I think people are going to camp out and say, you know what? You do your stuff, do whatever. There's so much 5e out there, so many books, so many modules, so much you can homebrew. I just got a feeling there's going to be a whole camp of D&D players that are going to just stay there. And not even 5e, like all the way back, right? Oh, yeah. You can make first edition stuff and like there is more D&D content out there than anyone can ever play ever. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, I only see it as a positive, right? Cause the more people that get exposed to it, the more people that get into it. And then yeah. it, it, it seems like it's almost like an evolution of the hobby as yeah. you understand how imagination generated the experience actually is. It's players become less and less tied to any system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, which I think is spectacular. Literally the best campaign I've ever played, hands down, uh, was with Jim, actually. And it was all theater of the mind. Yeah. That was, <laughs> and it was incredible, you know? Yeah. Um, and that and that was all you needed. But like, I, but at, that being said, I feel like to get there, you need to go through the experiences of how the maps were, how the how the pieces are supposed to move and stuff like that to help help yeah. your imagination understand it better you know yeah yeah for sure um okay so part two of that was how did you feel about you know these rumors or these accusations or whatever about you know artists using ai tools to help modify their original drawings oh yeah okay yeah i mean we see this getting kicked around a lot, right? Yeah. The only time I get a little bit bent out of shape about it is um, with the uh, AI programs that are getting fed artists' work without their knowledge or consent, and they're mm-hmm. not getting paid for it. And then those services are turning around and charging people money for it. Yeah. That, I feel like, is a real big problem. Yeah. I have no idea how to tackle that, and it's way out of my pay grade. I just know I don't feel good about it, and I don't like it, you know? Yeah, yeah being said these ai tools i feel like are just another tool in your toolbox there's no point in trying to put it that act like it doesn't exist it's silly it's because again (laughs) i'm gonna date myself like so people are gonna think i'm 100 years old but like (laughs) i remember back in the day before ipads came out and then ipads came out and everyone was like oh these things people don't even draw anymore they got but it, you're looking at it the wrong way. These tools are actually like amplifiers, yeah. right? So it's like you can take your – and they help amplify existing ability. And it's like anything else. It's like – which being able to amplify existing ability, I think there's a value in that as well because it might get someone who might not be have strong fundamentals right now and be very self-critical – like get them excited about the work that they're producing to keep producing it more. And like with everything else, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So whether whatever tools you're using to get there, eventually you're growing as an artist, you're learning as an artist. And I think that's so important because like, like making art and working through creative problems is such a like special kind of meditation that like people don't talk about that enough. And it's so good just for your mental health. And then that in turn is good for the people around you. So like, I don't know, like complaining about the tools, it, it, it sounds to me like people that are just kind of like stuck in their ways and not looking at a problem mm, or not looking at an opportunity 
and they're seeing it as a problem. You know what I mean? I totally yeah, like, get it. Like that's that's how I got into art, right? Like I I couldn't do it on paper. I didn't feel good enough. But on iPad, if I screwed up, I could hit undo. And I could, and then so I did just iPad art for a couple of years, and then now I'm doing paintings and stuff now because I feel more comfortable doing that. Dude, and you're sculpting, you're and you're doing, man, you're running Inktober for Pete's sake, the best Inktober on the internet. Yeah. But oh, yeah. thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that like would bother me about that is um, it's something I bump up alongside of a lot, um, where I have people who do 3D printing. But when they do 3D printing as their their whole 3D printing, if that makes sense, it's like, you know, they're like, OK, look at this thing I created or look at this you know thing I made. And they've pulled a file down from the Internet that maybe somebody else did create, but they pulled a file down. They've put it in their machine. They pressed go. They walked away. They came back. They had a beautiful little object and then they paint it and they say, look what I made. And it's like it's splitting hairs, but it's like you didn't make that you painted it you you took basically you went to the model store you bought a model and you painted it and there's a very big difference between that than someone who actually makes that item from scratch do you know what i mean like yeah, to there me, is, there you know what i mean because remember mixtapes yeah you know what i mean like that was a, that was a legit skill back in the day and like i remember like you had your buddies that were like they did it. You, you know, here was that thought you were giving them that five bucks for that mixtape, you know, because it yeah. was of a good quality, you know? Yeah. And I, I definitely do understand what you're saying where you're like, their skill might be in utilizing the technology as yeah. well. Because I think it depends, to me, it depends on how much you're utilizing it. Like you say, so in this case of the Dungeons and Dragons graphics, the gentleman, my understanding is that he drew it, he created it, and then he used the tools to help finesse it a bit. That's cool. That is used to me. That's fine. That's using tools. Um, there's always been tools to use, right? And if you know how to use them, you can do things better. But for me, if he had gone and typed in, create me a hill giant, you know, whatever, and then said, here you go, here's my piece of art that the AI completely generated from scratch based, like you said, on other people's artistic styles and everything, then to me, that's that's falling into that zone where it's like, yeah, I don't know how much of an artist you are that you have, you know, a good use of descriptive words. It's a very big difference between that and actually somebody taking up some form of a pen and creating it from scratch. You know what I mean? Like enhancing is great. Doing it from scratch, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to bash on 3D printers, like, you know, but it's just for the people that completely just take stuff that somebody else has created and they just print it. They can do cool stuff, but it's like you didn't really make it. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a gentleman that I love following. His name is Ben Eady, E-A-D-I-E. And uh, Ben is a prop guy. The um, Ghostbusters film that came out just recently, uh, I can't remember the name of it, Afterlife. He was the prop master on that. And he organized all the props and everything from it. And he's huge into 3D printing, but like he 3D prints tools and mechanism things to be able to make the stuff by hand better. You know what I mean? Like he, he wanted this metal sprocket type thing. And so he created a 3d printed tool to help make the metal sprocket. And he was accused by somebody. He's like, why don't you just make a 3d printed sprocket and paint it to look like metal? He goes, I wanted it in metal. I didn't want it to be like faux metal, but by making this tool, it super helped me do that. That to me is the coolest use of that kind of technology. So, you know, Mike, I'm older than you. And I think part of it is I'm just a crotchety old man <laughs> is part of it. Right. Um, it starts getting into like a, a pretty interesting area of um, 
artist versus artisan, right? Yeah. Because um, in my profession, yeah. right, of tattooing, um, there's lots of times where uh, you're asked by clients to just recreate images, mm. you know, right? And for me personally, I feel like that's part of the job. Like part of, in, in my opinion, part of the job is to sometimes to act as a designer and not right. an artist, right. you know? And it's like, I'm not, I'm not here to like um, tr- try and change your taste or opinion. If you have an image that you love enough to wear on your body, yeah, then that's okay. But you know, that's not, I'm, I'm not making it from scratch in that case, you know, it's not an original idea in that case, you know, so where, where does that fall? Or with like the graphite guys that recreate, um, like, uh, photo realism, you know, mm-hmm. the graphite guys that just, and they, they're working from photo reference, you know? So I feel like all of those things are maybe not like directly connected, but kind of like you start getting into that problem. Right. Yeah. A lot of gray, gray areas and fine lines. Yeah, man, exactly. (laughs) Where you're like, so it's interesting too, because it comes down to almost um, like a personal orientation, right? Like maybe the person 3d printing feels like my expertise in technology and being able to bring this from the world of ideas into reality that's how I make things, you know, they're not concerned with the design aspects of what they're making, you know, and I think that's a valid perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. I um, I belong to a, uh, it's called the RPF. It's the Replica Prop Forum. And it's just a total geek out world where people put up props like that they've made or purchased or whatever from movies. And it's so funny because I post my stuff and you know me, I'm a complete idiot. Like I, I literally make stuff from scratch, pick up, you know, foam and wood and carve it and make it and try and make stuff and i love doing that it's it's i'm the i'm a journey guy i love the journey once the thing's finished i kind of put it away somewhere hang it on something i I rarely even look at it it's like the actual doing it it's the work and then the satisfaction of hopefully achieving that goal that to me i can pick it up and it looks and it looks like the thing from a movie or whatever that's really cool put it away i'm done um and I think a lot of times the people that are doing stuff in the sense of like a 3D printing, they're kind of missing that stage because they're getting the thing finished almost immediately. You know what I mean? Like they're not doing that journey. And that's fine. That's their that's their thing. It's really cool. But the irony is that I keep I'm posting my stuff to this forum and I keep getting comments from everybody going like, holy shit, this is so old school. I haven't seen people do this in ages. Like this is the this is the old ways. And it's just it's, it's, it's freaking people out because nobody does this shit anymore. Nobody is an idiot like me will spend like a hundred hours carving making this thing look like that. They'll just like I said, most people because it's part of it too. I think our whole culture has become a culture of immediacy, right? Like I want it now. I don't have time. Um, I did one project and I like hand carved all the cobblestones out of foam. And it was the entryway to this project. And I had an, a person comment to go like, dude, there's rollers. What are you wasting your time on that for? Mm. You know? And it's like, well, okay, here's the thing. There are rollers. I own rollers and I use them too. In certain places I'll use them, but this was the front entry to this building that I made and I wanted it to stand out. And by hand carving them, I can make really unique individual 
very defined cobblestones. If I rolled it, it's just like a, a repeating pattern. It's not very deep. And it was so funny because I, what I picked up on that comment was the person was really, really concerned about time. Mm. how long it was going to take me to do this. And it's like, Hey, it's my time. So take it easy champ. You don't have to worry about my time. I'm all good. But it was, I've seen that a lot with people. And I think the world has become this such a fast moving pace that we've lost that thing that good stuff can take time. You know, well, you know, we're seeing kind of like, um, uh, the return of the craftsman right now though. Yeah. Where people, and this is what I think is so interesting about it. And it took me, this is like an, it's taken me my entire life to come to this perspective, but it's that the world is a very big place and there's enough room for all of us. Yes. However mm -hmm. you do it, as long as it's aligning with your moral compass, then give her, you know, because I'm the exact same as you, as, as you are. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a process guy as well. Yeah. You know, like if you ever, um, are in town and come to my home studio where I do all my design stuff. It's floor to ceiling projects. Right. Yeah. And every time someone comes and like, just, if you see something you like, just take it, just take it. Cause it just ends up as wallpaper. I don't, you know, yeah. it's the as, doing. Yeah. It's the doing. As soon as something's done, I put it on the wall and I don't really look at it ever again. And then I put something yeah. over it. Yeah. I'm like layers and layers deep of drawings on these walls now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, I was over there, and there I have a beautiful piece of art. It's uh, Lady Death, and I was blown away by it. I was like, "This is incredible." Mike's like, "Yeah, yeah, here, just take it." I was like, "What? Like this is this is incredible art." He's like, "Yeah, like look at it." And there's honestly like wallpaper, just floor to ceiling, all these incredible uh, projects. Well, but but the, yeah, but and the and I think that's neat though too, is because like for other people who the value is in the doing and yeah. the having you know, then yeah. there's a place for them now too. I think this kind of is neat because it ties into what we were talking about earlier with like the AI and mm. it as a tool, right? Yeah. I feel like the there's um, a bigger microphone now for people to help voice their, or to showcase their creativity, whatever that outlet is going to be. You know what I mean? And it is, it is kind of strange for some of us that, have seen or are used to it coming out a certain way, but we're just seeing it differently now, you know? Yeah. yeah I'm sorry again, too, because I'm an old man. Um, I, I still do find I get a little bristly if you go to a, a, a creative market and somebody's gone and AI generated interesting looking artwork that they've gone and printed on canvas and is selling as original prints. Oh, interesting. I've never seen that one. Yeah. I've, they, had, I've they had that at Comic-Con last year. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. a booth was sell at, in the artist alley was selling AI art. No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, like, that's gross. That's gross. And, and that kind of stuff just, you know, again, if they have information very depictive of what they're doing, but like these people are calling themselves artists. And it's like, again, it's this push button art. It, it just kind of, and I'm sorry. And I know I sound like a real dick, but it just kind of bristles me because, you know, I think of the hours and hours and hours that I put in and failed so many times to be able to get to a point that I can actually do something that I'm proud of, you know? And like you said, Mike, the wallpaper you have of all these drawings and stuff, and it just kind of, you know, again, it rubs me the wrong way to have somebody come in and just be able to type in words, hit a button, generate a, what they call a piece of art, 
and then sell it as such. It's like, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of it is maybe again, not that I don't understand the technology. I completely get it. And I've been a big cyberpunk fan for many, many years, but the idea of like this kind of, I'm an artist cause I had a computer generate art for me. Just, it just is weird. You know what I mean? It's not the you same know, thing. I understand that too. And it's, and then it just, and I totally get where you're coming from too, because it is, it is strange. There's no two ways around. But the label has uh, such a... It's, the label of artist is so wide, right? Yeah. Because like, I don't consider... like It's like, what, what, what's the standard? You know? What, yeah. what are we going to go off of? Because like, I personally um, would... I don't consider myself an artist at all, right? Like, in any sense of the word. I would say I'm becoming a competent draftsman maybe at best but not an artist you know but that's because in my mind i can't unseparate that word and that idea from a person who not only understands the world around us and design and how to reinterpret that but they also understand like natural science and grander issues and like they're looking at the world from a very like meta perspective and trying to bring that uh to uh the rest of us in a way that we can understand visually you know so, and i'm not doing anything like that you know i like i i and that definition of uh, for an artist would only apply to like a very 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 few people you know yeah frantically typing things into the computer box because there's something i wanted to um say as a, as a famous quote that I'm sure, you know, Mike, but Mike, that's like how I feel. Like I don't feel like an artist yet. And like, I surround myself in art now and like, I'm practicing all the time, but like, like you're an artist to me, <laughs> but like, oh, I'm yeah. not right. And like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Right. Like, it all just comes in, like perspective is so important in how mm -hmm. these words and terms are not only applied, but interpreted, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you're like the person printing that stuff off and putting it on canvas. They're just using it as a marketing gimmick. It seems yeah. like, yeah, you know? and that's fine yeah. too because that sells paintings, I guess, right? Yeah, well, and that's the thing that's a kick in the ass. I was at a show and I had all my stuff laid out that I've you know toiled over and done, and it takes forever to pack because it's so fucking fragile and all whatever. And there was a lady across from me who had 3D printing stuff that she had 3D printed. I sold nothing that weekend. Like I think I sold like maybe fifty dollars of stuff that day. She sold hundreds of dollars of this three D printed stuff. She shut down early, and she was literally had a big Tupperware container, and she was throwing her three D printed stuff into the Tupperware container from like her table <laughs> to the floor. And we're all looking at her like, really? And that's how she packed up, and she split, and she made more money than any of us. <laughs> and she didn't care about her stuff because she can reprint it if she needs to. And I'm like. Maybe that's why I'm pissed off. I'm just really jealous. Like maybe yeah. I just did I did the wrong thing. Like from a from a business standpoint. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, but so, you know, so being being broke and that's part of being an artist. So it is it is all about an artist. Okay, I want to read a quote here, and I'm sure, Mike, you've heard it before. Uh, it is the amazing Japanese woodblock artist, um, Hokusai, if I'm saying that. I never know if I say his name properly. Uh, the Great Wave is obviously his most famous woodprint, which is arguably not a good woodprint. It's not a good representation. It's actually more like pop culture version, but it is still absolutely beautiful. But I, I've always loved this quote, and I think it's very fitting here. It says, from the age of six, I had a mania for drawing the shapes of things. When I was 50, I had published... 
a universe of designs, but all I have done before the age of 70 is not worth bothering with. At 75, I will have learned something of the pattern of nature, of animals, of plants, of trees, birds, fish, and insects. When I'm 80, you will see real progress. At 90, I shall have cut my way deeply into the mystery of life itself. At 100, I shall be a marvelous artist. At 110, everything I create, a dot, a line, will jump to life as never before. To all of you who are going to live as long as I do, promise to keep my word. I am writing this in my old age. I used to call myself Hokusai, but today I sign myself the old man mad about drawing. If heaven had granted me five more years, I could have become a real painter. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I have, I've always just loved that quote. I just think it's, it's so awesome. It's just life is a journey. Every part of what you do is a journey. And it's, you know, I'm sitting in my studio and I'm making something and I look up and I've got like tools from when I did silversmithing and tools when I did leather work and I got stuff when I did paper making and, you know, wood carving and whatever, all these stupid years of doing artistic things. And I never realized at the time, you know, there were just things I was interested in. But I look now and it's like every single one of those silly little disciplines that I, you know, dabbled in and tried to figure out a bit are paying dividends in what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And it was like almost like there was this kind of guiding hand kind of taking me through this stuff to learn these different things so that now I feel like, you know, I'm starting to feel a little bit of what he's saying. I'm starting to feel like I'm getting to that point where I'm starting to become proficient. I'm starting to understand the nature of what I'm doing, you know, and it's it's fascinating. And it was all these things that led up to it. Yeah, I, man, I absolutely agree. The turning point when I really started to learn how to, how to draw and do design was when I understood really clearly that I'm I'm that pu art is a puzzle that I'm mm. never gonna solve. Like it's yeah. just never ever gonna happen. Yeah. But man, I love working on it. And that's as good you know, <laughs> you're like so just <laughs> try and putter along, see what you can do and go from there, right? Yeah. I, I remember being probably I don't know, probably late twenties. And um, I did. I was doing watercolor painting that time, and I had a couple of things uh, in a couple of galleries here in town. And um, I did this one painting that I still have. And arguably, when I look at it, it's it's kind of like an abstract geometric thing, whatever. Mike, you would just fucking laugh your ass off because it is like so bad. Um, but I'm actually so super proud of this bad painting because it was the moment when something that I had kind of felt and kind of seen in my mind's eye came out the way I had kind of, it was the first time I really felt I kind of got what I was seeing. Now I didn't see something good was a problem, but <laughs> I got it right. Do you know what I mean? And it was like that glimmer of like, Oh, 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 cause everything up to then every project was done. I never felt satisfied with. I just didn't feel like I got there. And you know, arguably some of the stuff was actually pretty good going back and looking at it. And people say, you like, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? Like, Mike's a bad influence for some reason. I'm swearing like a sailor today. This is uh -huh. crazy. And Mike, tattoos in it's, here. It's yeah, it's the tattoo stuff. But <laughs> people would say like, dude, what you've done, that's, that's really good. What, why don't you like that? And it's like, it's not the quality of it. It's just that I didn't get it right. I didn't hit the mark. Do you know what I mean? I didn't get what I wanted to do. And I remember that painting as much as, like I said, it's not a good painting. It meant a lot because it was one of the first times I actually hit that mark. And mm -hmm. so that was always the, a measure for me. It was the measure of not even does it look good, but did I get there? Did I get what I wanted out of it? Like, did I achieve what I had seen, what I set out to do? Mm -hmm. And 
I'm so happy to say at this later age in my life, I'm, I'm hitting that a lot. Like I'm doing projects that when they're done, it's what I had envisioned, what I wanted it to be. And that's a very, as an artist or a creator, that's a super satisfying feeling to, to have that, uh, you know, and I you know, thank the gods. Like, I mean, I, I just, it's working for me right now. I don't want to question it too much. Cause I don't want to mess with it. Just leave it alone. But it's uh, it's a very satisfying feeling. Oh, it's spectacular. I mean, honestly, I love your channel. Everything you're putting out looks great. Like, uh, is did what was the reaction you got on the forum from the Indiana Jones headpiece? Yeah, people were pretty stoked about that because yeah. it was the again, it was like from scratch, right? Like, just yeah. And it's funny because if you go look, if you go type online, you go like Indiana Jones, like headpiece, staff of raw, whatever, it's like and there's a whole bunch of them, but it's like the first thing you see is a guy going like boop, pressing a button, is and this thing's printing them out, right? And it's like none of them really made by hand. And so a, a number of people who were like, you know, like there's, you get different, depending how long you've been on there, you get different titles, like, you know, like senior, you know, whatever. Right. Um, that have been there for a long time. They're like, this is so crazy. This is like I said, like old school ways. And you know, um, how did you do that? And it's, it's, it's cool. And it's, again, it's that journey. It's, it's a piece of iconic film history. I kind of always had wanted one. And uh, for me, it was about a year ago, it was doing the um, thing from Wednesday, you know, the, the hand. And I am never considered myself a sculptor. I'd always thought of myself much more as a two-dimensional artist. And I've been getting way outside my comfort zone and way outside of my skill range. And I watched Wednesday. I thought it was amazing. I thought thing with the scars and the suture marks and everything on it were like such a cool upgrade to that thing. And I got super excited. I thought, I'm going to make one of those. It was just this really stupid, I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. And I had time at Christmas and working in clay and doing it. And it just, again, it came out how I saw it in my head. And that was so exciting. And as you know, Mike, human form is some of the hardest stuff to do because we intrinsically know if it's right or wrong. We know what a hand looks like immediately. <laughs> um, and so I was really happy about that. And But that has just emboldened me to go and be crazy. Like, yeah, go and like basically, you know, hand carve out the headpiece, you know, the staff of raw. Sure, let's do it. Do it twice because there's two sides to it unless you make the, you know, the German version, which is only burnt into it, burned in his hands, only had one side of the headpiece. Uh, no, let's do, do it twice, do both sides. And... I am like so jacked with that. And uh, it's very exciting. Yeah, it turned out so good. Well, yeah, exactly. But this is actually a really good um, topic for Jim to speak on is the journey. Because yes. like you have, uh, well, well, since I've known you, uh, I remember from our first meeting, you started talking about being like, you're interested in pursuing visual arts and i was like that was so interesting and the thing about it that is the most interesting is that you actually pursued it because how many times do you chat with people and you're like they're like oh like i can't even draw a straight line and you're like oh okay well you seem interested so maybe try this or maybe try this and then nothing right like, this is just making conversation which is fine and honestly like I've, I totally expected that from our conversation. And then like six months later, you're like, Oh, I'm running October now. Like, I was like, what the heck is going on here, man? So I'd yeah. love to hear your perspective on like starting the journey, especially from kind of, uh, not in like a mean way, but like from a, a later point in life, like what brought you to that? 
Dude, well, honestly, like you are the reason I got into art, Mike. Like a hundred percent. No, on it. I swear to God. Yeah, that's not true, but whatever. Yeah, it is. Like you were the first person that, like, you were like, no, dude, like you could totally do it, and like you told me, you're like, yeah, just like you just gotta do it, and you're just you gave me some pointers. I was like, okay, I think I can do that, and uh, yeah, it was just the start of COVID, so I went out and bought an iPad and. Cause everyone said that we're going to be locked in our houses for the <laughs> foreseeable future. So I was like, well, I'm going to get good at art finally. And yeah, like I would have been mid thirties when I started drawing <laughs> basically like since the first time since I was 12. And then, yeah, just having you tell me about that. And it was cause you brought up Inktober and you're like, this is a really good way because you draw every single day and you'll improve. And I was like, all right. And I actually did it. And I couldn't believe how well it worked. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, if you draw every day, you'll get better. Like, <laughs> duh. You know, like. Oh, yeah. And yeah. But yeah, you've been like my biggest art mentor, like hands down out of everybody, Mike. So thank oh, I, I know. I, I thank you like probably every day or like every time we talk about art. But seriously, man, thank you. Well, I guess a more, a more poignant question I would like to ask you then would be like, how, how did you how did you deal with like the frustrations like working through the first little bit of it or did you even have them or were you just like excited like did you about it uh mostly just by knowing you with dms you know every day or two being like hey mike how come this looks stupid and you're like hey have you tried shadows i'm like whoa so i'm like wow i'm like all right well this looks kind of okay and you're like why don't you try highlights i'm like oh my god man that changes everything <laughs> You know, and yeah, just I've always loved fantasy art like my whole life. And I've always been really jealous of all my friends that could draw. And I just thought I didn't have it, which was frustrating because my dad's like a he's like a tough cowboy. Like he just hunts and fishes and like that's about it, you know, like but he's an amazing artist. Like, you know, the 10 times I've seen him draw, it's realistic looking stuff every time. And like, you know, he doesn't practice. I don't know why he can draw that good. <laughs> but he can't. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I was kind of upset that I didn't get that, but I think it's in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, we've seen massive improvement. Like I, I, you know, watching it on the sidelines was like blown away how much Jim progressed and from where he started, like you're saying, Mike, at an older age and kind of starting, you know, kind of that basic you know, beginning. And I think one of the things that you did, Jim, to me that like I'm a so proud of you for and is uh, something I would just tell everybody to do. Like you just dove in the deep end. It's like, not only am I going to do an Inktober, I'm going to run an Inktober. So now I am, you know, I have to behold to this. Like I'm, if you're running it, you got to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's why I did it. So I couldn't exactly. back <laughs> and, and you did. And, and, and you learn so much when you're forced to do something. And if anyone's interested in doing anything in their life, find something that's going to force you to do it. And, and that's what you did. It was great. Oh, thanks guys. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a fun journey. And yeah, I just got into clay like a week ago. <laughs> been having fun with that. So that's awesome. Oh, heck yeah, man. Spiraling down the art rabbit hole, man. The, uh, yeah. I was going to get rich off you in no time. <laughs> Have you done much uh, three-dimensional work, Mike? Sculpture and stuff like that? No. Um, the uh, reality of my situation is I am not talented at anything. But I'm very, very stubborn. Mm. Uh, so, w like, with drawing, I was like, no, I'm going to learn how to draw. And I just 
keep drawing, right? Yeah. Jim said, it's like the nice default of that trade is like, if you keep doing it, you will slowly improve, you know? Um, yeah, but I, I am not uh, naturally artistically inclined by any means. So I stay pretty far away of everything that's outside of my wheelhouse. Interesting. Do you have any interest in going down that route or? Um, no, unfortunately not. I'm yeah, currently, um, my 2024 goal is um, to try and learn um, inking techniques like what you see in like uh, graphic novels or comic art. Cool. So I'm like spending my free time trying to figure that stuff out. Which cross, is cross cross hatching and full full body inking that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. All of that cool. kind of stuff. Um, so that's what I'm I'm dedicating a lot of my spare time and energy to right now, which is really fun. But I'm already kind of missing the more like fantasy themed pieces. Last year, um, I was really working uh, on trying to improve my anatomy so um i was studying an artist named uh mark schultz i think his name is he did tons and tons and tons of stuff uh for the princess of mars series okay if you're in the, like the 70s and the 80s you know and his anatomy is always so exciting and i mean i realized that that franchise is kind of weird i think we are like yeah it's it was okay there's some things that some ideas that were cool, some ideas that were not, but like visually there's tons of interesting stuff, right? Like, like yeah. forearmed aliens. It's awesome. Like, I, I'm a, actually a big fan of that. Oh yeah, exactly. Like space princesses, lasers, swords, yeah. like yeah. Sick. alien mm-hmm. landscapes, so much stuff to try. Yeah. And absorb. Um, I'm not going to pretend uh, that I did absorb any of it, but man, I tried hard. <laughs> Mike's being yeah. very humble. His art is insanely good. His art is nuts. <laughs> Any of you yeah. out there, if you're yeah. not familiar, uh, Friendly Mike on uh, Instagram, please check it out. Follow Mike. His work is beautiful. Uh, Mike is one of those guys that just doesn't like talking about how good he is. Um, he, he's just way too humble. He's wickedly talented. And uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic stuff. Um, why don't we take a quick break there and we'll come back in a couple of minutes and we're going to hit rapid fire Mike with a bunch of questions. So we'll be right back. Fantasy factoid. The red wedding from game of Thrones is actually based on two real life historical events. The, um, the black dinner of 1440 and the massacre of Glencow in 1692, both in Scotland. Have you ever wanted to build your own D&D train or fantasy dioramas? Looking to learn how to make amazing RPG displays using simple tools and materials? Want to engage with over 30 talented artists who are excited to share, support, and inspire? Well, look no further. My name is Sean and I've been an artist for over 40 years and I offer easy to use tips, tricks, and tutorials on terrain building through my Patreon site, The Pink Foam Brigade. For the cost of a couple cups of coffee a month, you will have access to over 160 posts, more each week, all positioned to teach you to become an amazing maker. Come join us, become the newest brigadier, and let me help you on your crafting journey. Search for the Pink Foam Brigade on the Patreon website. 
you won't be sorry. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to ask Mike a few questions here. Uh, I did have one. This one doesn't count. Um, you're talking about Dragon Strike from when you were a kid, Mike. Yeah. Do you do you still have that Dragon Strike? Uh, no. Unfortunately, uh, I spent a lot of time moving mm. around in the middle part of my life, like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I've uh, I don't. I don't have anything from when I was younger, um, except for like the few modules that I was able to hang on to, like the Shady Dragon Inn. I still have, yeah, uh, and it's complete. But those modules are small enough to put in a backpack. You know what I mean? And they don't take up a ton of room, so they were always able to come with me wherever I was going. Yeah, yeah. no, I get that. I, I got rid of my Castle Grayskull when I was, you know, becoming a teenager, and I sold it, you know, to get money to buy a PlayStation. Yeah. And so as an adult, I had to go on eBay and pay out the ass for another Castle Grayskull. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So I, I get it. Yeah, it, 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 it's a bummer because it's definitely one of those ones uh, I, I would still like to have. Although for, this is going to sound kind of crappy, but for the tape, more than anything. Mm-hmm. you know. No, no way, man. That's awesome. I just, that, I don't know, man. It, that Something about that weird thing just... Tugs at the heartstrings in all the right ways. You know what I mean? That is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Sean, do you want to go first and we'll go back and forth with these questions? Sure. This is a favorite of ours. Uh, Mike, top three pies. Oh, yeah. Cherry, blueberry, rhubarb. Was that cherry number one? Oh, yeah. Big time. So far ahead as number one yes that you know what i mean the other two are you can't even see them i'm so here for you buddy mine was apple for the longest time and then about 10 years ago cherry just it it just forget it just left apple in the dust love cherry pie yeah man when it's done right and you get that sweet and sour just perfect my goodness that's I love it. Love there is it. no, there is no wrong answer though. All pies are good, and they're all better than all cake. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely sick. Okay, Jimbo, you're up. Uh Mike, what is your favorite magic item in D and D? Oh my god, uh, horn of blasting. Mmm, that's a I, good one. Just, I mean, just remember how that thing was stacked. Like it, it was crazy. It's like knocking down castle walls and stuff. You're like, what? Yeah, the siege damage. Yeah, it does. Like, what? <laughs> why would you ever give that to a party? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and we had one in that campaign. Oh, it got nerfed so hard, though. Well, rightfully so, in our hands. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a bird, Mike, which one and why? Oh man. So I absolutely love birds. It's kind of a hard question for me. I mean, probably, mm, I don't know, like magpie, I guess would have to be my go-to. Um, just cause they're, they're so, they're such a, a handsome bird. There's, there's no two ways around it. But uh, last summer for the first time in real life, I saw, uh, a yellowing blackbird 
and man, that was something special. The the vibrancy of the yellow, like man, photos don't even do it justice. It's crazy how uh, striking those things are, especially on you know we're in Alberta, like the plains, like you know you get those nice soft greens. Uh, man, holy, it's just with the uh, with the black, it just popped out of nowhere. I couldn't believe it when I got to see it. But then again, have you ever seen those like albino like gray jays? It, no, I think so. Oh man, you should see it's like it literally looks like someone took a blue jay and sucked all the color out of it. Wow. Yeah, they're so incredible to see every once in a while. Uh, I saw one of those in, uh in Banff once. And that was <laughs> I didn't know they existed when I saw it. <laughs> it was like double tape moment you know and then you're like whoa did anybody else see that yeah gallery sucks for birds we just we have a lot of sparrows chickadees and magpies like that's it there's uh, like not a lot of birds here it is frustrating too because you have to deal with the reality of magpies there yeah. which is they're such jerks my god they are <laughs> they, they taunt my dog yeah <laughs> they will they will yeah uh, yeah, they're bad and they're loud and they're obnoxious. Yeah, I wish we had more birds because we just, I actually, I saw my first blue jay here ever about three, four months ago. Oh, nice. It's the first blue jay I've ever seen here. And they're loud as hell, man. Yes. I never knew they were so loud. Like they're really loud birds. Yeah, for little guys too, eh? Yeah. He was around here for about a week and I I heard this noise. I'm like, what's that? I look outside and I see him. I'm like, oh, it's a blue jay. I'm losing my mind, right? Because it's like, it's not a sparrow, man. This is exciting. And uh, I hear this noise. Like, I didn't know he made that noise. And then for the rest of the week, I'd hear it. I'm like, where is he? And I'd be looking around trying to find him. He'd be somewhere in the block and I haven't seen him since, but it was kind of cool. Oh, yes. I mean, they're dinosaurs, man. Right? Mm-hmm. Can crazy. You your head around that? <laughs> <It's> nuts. <laughs> cool. Well, that was a yeah, good. Hey, man. Wow. Hey, great I'm, question, Sean. That was a fun one. I didn't realize. That's awesome. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. No problem. Um, oh, I was going to say, um, yeah, we had some magpies. Um, they would torment our old, uh, not torment, but they would follow behind our old senior dogs and mock them and stuff. And then those mm. dogs pass away. And now we have a, a yellow lab that's uh his parents were very athletic this dog is bred very well and those magpies don't fuck around anymore because he <laughs> is fast and it is so great to see it's just it's justice i love it oh yeah no absolutely it's part is one of the things that i don't like the most about magpies is that they're like they're yeah. really optimistic like that where they mm-hmm. m- make no mistake they knew that your senior dogs were senior dogs and couldn't yeah. do anything about it you know <laughs> yeah um, all right, Mike, uh, what's your favorite fantasy world? Okay. That is an incredibly difficult question. Cause there are so many good ones. You uh, could do top, you could do top three if you really had to, uh, you know, like, yeah. Cause it's like, or which one, uh, uh, let's rephrase it. Which one would you most want to live in? What fantasy okay. world? Okay. Well, <laughs> so that actually, you get to the most vanilla answer, which it would be Faerun, right? But it's because, like, I'm old. And Jim, you and me joke about this all the time, right? Where we're like, if we got to live in a fantasy world, I wouldn't even adventure. Like, Jim would run the tavern, and ideally, <laughs> I would run the map shop that would be next door. <laughs> yeah. like, I want other people to go and adventure, and then you come and buy maps for me, tell me about your adventure, 
and then off you go. And Big Bird is just like full of such over the top characters. You know what I mean? That is like I know every day at work would be super entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I could close the shop and come over to the tavern and be like, "Oh, who'd you meet today, Jim? Who's in here? Go good stories." Yeah. <laughs> You know, something would happen, though, and we'd have to go on a quest. You know, some sword would get lost somewhere. Someone would get kidnapped or, you know, we'd Just have to go the there. Throat. Yeah. Back in. <laughs> oh, That's a good answer. question, Jim. Very cool. Mike, fave artist and why? Uh, my favorite artist of all time is Frank Frazetta. Mm. Uh, and, um, he's Woo. the first uh, artist whose name I learned um, and like, I, and, and could like recognize his work. Like I, you know what right. I mean? Like everybody, but it was like, I don't know when I was a little kid, that was a big deal that I would could see his paintings and be like, that's a Frazetta. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's stayed that my, literally my entire life, you know, he's wow. the math. Um, yep. Uh, I, I, the, I heard a quote once where someone was saying that it was like, um, he, he perfected the art of capturing the climax of a climax on his canvas. <laughs> and you're like, yep. Yep. <laughs> I absolutely love that the granddaughters of Frazetta girls have the, uh, Instagram account and are just like paying such you know, homage to their grandfather and Mm -hmm. their posts are so great. Some of my favorite ones are the, uh, when they show his, like the drawings he did for like back in the fifties, him and his wife, uh, Eloise. And he's got all the, all those amazing, it's it's drawn on crappy, like, you know, grid paper and these beautiful drawings and very rich, thick, like so much black, like a whole black shirt. And it's just, Oh my God. And he he looks so damn cool. That fifties kind of greaser haircut. It is just like, Oh, I can look at those things for hours they're so cool oh I, I agree i get so excited every time i get posts from the girls like off yep. from their page you know what i mean they're doing such a good job amazing um, right and like keeping the legacy alive and doing it in a really tasteful way oh yep. man check out what chubbs got me for Ugh. did you guys see this Ugh. oh, oh you got one. Oh, yeah. wow for those of you in the non-visual world, it's the uh, Tashin Frank Frazetta uh, coffee table book. Wow. And my brother Chubbs got this for me for Christmas. Oh. Wow. So, wow. Non-sponsored plug, but I'm, if if you've seen this and you know what we're talking about and yeah. have a if it's good or not, it's legitimately 100 times better than as good as you imagined it. Yeah, like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Dick, shut up. It sucks. I hate that book. It's trash. I don't even want one. <laughs> awesome. That's a tome too. Holy shit. That was like how tall is that? Uh it's probably two feet high. Yeah. <laughs> Just about <laughs> I I did uh, when they announced uh, it was coming is I did get the uh, gray wolf action figure. It's coming in the mail from uh, the Frazetta girls, which is fantastic. I'm very excited about that one. It's this crazy posable figure with like four different heads. You stick on it and everything from uh, uh, gray wolf from fire and ice. So I'm pretty excited Mm -hmm. about that, but it ain't no freaking book. Um, I do though have this here that I can hold up. It's a, 
little tube and uh, my lovely wife got me um, a Christmas ago it's the uh, the famous Conan of uh, the Frazetta did from uh, the Frazetta girls uh, that print that I have to go and one day get uh, framed and put up on the wall it's oh, framing and so though yeah I just always get so nervous doing framing but I need to go do it so you know what we need to do gentlemen is we need to book the trip and go down and go to the Frazetta Museum Mm. let's go wouldn't that yeah, be amazing right. yeah that'd be like mecca you know like a real cool trip yeah oh yeah absolutely just to see the history to see the like actually be able to see the paintings in real life i know like, <laughs> where is that like I, I, I don't know somewhere in the states i don't remember where do you somewhere south i think isn't it florida in olympia florida I think that sounds right. I was thinking Florida, so I think you might be right. Ooh, Florida, that'd be a wild trip, eh, boys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go with all the crocagators. Um, have to go in the winter, though. I don't like heat. Frazetta Art Museum. It's on one, 141 Museum Road. <laughs> um, Stroudsburg, PA. Is that is that Pennsylvania or Philadelphia? Where is that? Pennsylvania, I think, right? Yeah, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Well, we were close. I totally thought it was Florida too, though, Mike. Maybe it was. Maybe they moved it. Yeah, that's Pennsylvania cool. would still be a sweet road trip. Yeah, that would be. I'd be absolutely just crazy to go and do that. Yeah, East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, home of the largest collection of Frazetta originals in the world. Wow. Oh, hold on. Oh, yeah. So it says that it was in Florida. They moved it. They must have been. Okay. I thought. I thought Florida too. Yeah. I don't know. I okay. All cards on the table. I don't know too much about America, so uh. I don't I don't know where that is. I gotta be <laughs> honest. I don't know where uh Pennsylvania is. I mean I guess it's by New York. Sounds good. That's my um, guess. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, boys. Uh just over a week from now on the ninth is uh Mr. Frazetta's birthday. He was born 9th of February, 1928. Get out of here. Yeah, I'm just reading that in Brooklyn, New York. Mm. We, we should have a Frazetta party. Agreed. Yeah. Let's do Not it. To celebrate. Get together and we'll all paint our favorite Frazetta painting. <laughs> <laughs> do it real justice. <laughs> so, that was, um, years ago when I started trying to do anatomy stuff, I was like, oh yeah, I'll just use Frazetta stuff as studies. I had to quit that like immediately. Just every day so much shame just yeah. this, you know have you gone back and revisit it mike have you done any frazetta stuff uh not in ages maybe no. last one attempt honestly yeah. i'm traumatized like you want really? to really see how bad you are yeah it to that guy you know yeah his stuff's yeah. so great there's just so much he just it was like he took a snapshot of a moment right like he just mm -hmm. he captured that moment yeah <laughs> it's like the energy Crazy. in the lines the yeah. like the way he uses line and yeah everything is like like capturing like a feeling it's so exciting to look at yeah it, recreate that it's like i don't know i don't know if it could be done really I, I read this one you probably read it too guys it's um he could have done artwork for star wars and at the time he did a tv guide battlestar galactica painting and they said to him like why would you do that like this is star wars man and he's like 
they would own the art. Mm. I never will do a project where I don't own my art. And I don't care if that's a bigger thing or whatever. He said, Battlestar Galactic is cool. I can do it for them. I get to own my art. And cool. that is, that's kick-ass cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not going to be swayed by what it is. I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to own it and it's mine. Like, that's yeah. really cool. Oh, that's badass. <laughs> yeah, man. Because those paintings he did were killer yeah the battlestar galactica paintings are sick they look they look they're way better than battlestar galactica was <laughs> i wasn't gonna say it but <laughs> yeah I, I honestly like as a kid i remember seeing those paintings right yeah yeah and going to the video store and seeing battlestar galactica like i could rent it as a vhs yeah, yeah. I'd be putting it together in my head and i was like oh this is gonna be amazing Totally catfished. <laughs> Frank Catfish Frazetta. <laughs> awesome. All right, Jim, you're up. All right. Um, well, okay, this will be a good one since we just talked about it. Um, what's the best kind of shop to visit in a D&D game? Um, well, I guess it's going to depend on your party, isn't it? But for like me personally... Um, I love going to the temples. Um, mm. I think that, uh, the local temples, but like, I, you know how much of a sucker I am for the stupid slice of life stuff. Like the, so like the, the temples, I feel like give me like a better feeling of like, Oh, okay. The people worship this way. This is kind of their gods. You know what I mean? It makes me feel like I understand where my character is more and then he can understand the people he's interacting with more uh, and like give you an idea makes makes the places feel a little more real, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's cool. And I think sometimes that's overlooked as well, isn't it? You know, like it's, it is the, let's go to the bars, let's go to the, you know, uh, to the, the, the grocery store and buy stuff. And I think a lot of times the temples, there's some really cool stuff you can do in temples. Oh, absolutely. And, and like your character can be neat, neat connections. Hopefully yeah. they have rat infestation so you can get into the basement. and <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sick. Uh, okay. Mike, 2H or HB? Um, well, uh, sorry, I don't have like hard answers. It's project dependent, <laughs> you know? That's a good answer. Uh, yeah. Um, for sketchbook stuff, like I, I use, uh, like, uh, HB cause it's like mm -hmm. a little darker, but for like, uh, ink study stuff where I need it to be lighter, I actually just use, what are these even? I don't know. Like just the crappy, like yellow pencils that you can buy by the box, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. They they don't even feel like, I don't even think it's wood. I think this thing's plastic, <laughs> but like I go through them like crazy. Cause it, right. it's such a light mark, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is what you want. Cause then I don't have to erase a ton once the inks are down. You know? Right. Right. Dude, that's so good of an artist, Mike, is he, he can use shit pencils and he still blows out masterpieces. You know, it's just like a Tiger Woods whoop your ass with a grad sale special set of golf clubs. You can have the top clubs in the world, but Tiger Woods is still going to whoop your ass. <laughs> who gets a name Tiger? Okay, like who gets the name Tiger? That's just all I want to know. Like, I didn't get a name Tiger. I wish I had a better name. That's for sure. Tiger, what a... 
kicking around. This is a discussion me and Chubbs have been having lately. How yeah. weird would it be to name your kid Dragon? <laughs> like, yeah, like, would it real? Would it wreck his life, or is that cool? Like, I don't know. I don't know if you're legally allowed to in Alberta. Damn it! <laughs> That's too bad. A lot of new rules in right now. <laughs> what do you got, Jim? See here. Uh, Mike, do you remember your first D&D character? And if you do, can you tell us a little about him? Absolutely. Um, the, the, my first D&D character's name was Lothar. He was a uh, dwarven cleric. Um, I really wanted to play a paladin. Like, I desperately wanted to play a paladin. Uh, but this was back in the day when um, the class that you picked was determined by your stats, or at least affected by your stats. And like, mm. I didn't. There was no way I was even close to being able to play a paladin with yeah. the guy rolled up. So I settled for second best, which was a cleric. Um, but I loved the security that he gave me because I was so scared of the undead. <laughs> Like, like me as a person. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, but my guy will be okay because, like, you know, once I hit like level two, I can get turned undead, and like that should help because I really don't want like to get eaten by zombies or something like that. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's cool that you found like strength and like hope in your character. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I like those elements of the the older systems you know that little bit of horror element i thought was like i don't know kind of made it a little exciting mm-hmm. yeah did that name come from mike myers from snl lothar of the hill people <laughs> i'm lothar of the hill people i mean like i want to say yes now so i look cool but it's absolutely not <laughs> no i think it's cooler that it's not i love that it's not that's awesome yeah uh, okay, I have my last question for you, Mike. Are you ready? Yes. You can DM for four people from any time, any location, alive or dead. Who is your group? Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Who is my group? Who is my group? Oh, man. Okay. David Bowie. Whoa. Yes. Definitely. Oh. Uh, Carl Sagan. Nice. Frank Herbert. Oh my God. Oh. Frank Herbert for sure. Uh, one more. Yeah, one more. One more. Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I've always thought, can you imagine Robin Williams at a table? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Oh my God, the the level of improv and characters would be insane. But yeah, well, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to DM with uh, Robin <laughs> Williams. He just he'd be going off on a character for an hour, and you'd just be sitting there watching him, enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he would definitely Shanghai the table. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a good group, Mike. Good group. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, that was, the I just, the imagination on those guys. Hey, eh? like wow, crazy. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, and, and there was a time of that right like it was like um tolkien would get together with um oh shoot lion witch in the wardrobe um damn it uh, um, i'm blanking on C. his K. name Lewis? 
yeah Chris lewis and there was somebody else too and they'd get together in the pub and just sit and talk about the stories they were writing can you imagine sitting next to that table <laughs> dude yeah that's like the shut up and listen right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so polite they'd be trying to include you and you're like no 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 i don't no, care no keep talking I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> We're not worthy. <laughs> uh, all right, Jim, you got one more. Yes. Yeah. My last one. It's a real deep one here too. Um, nice. What's the perfect friendly Mike meal? Oh, lasagna. Everybody knows lasagna is my thing. I am Garfield incarnate. <laughs> nice. Uh, I have a like incredibly unhealthy relationship with lasagna. My saying is always that there's no such thing as leftover lasagna, no matter how big the point, right? Yeah. It, it, I love lasagna so much. It's so good. Everything about it is perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Great answer. Cool. That was fun. Those are, those are good questions, Jim. Well, thanks. You too. Yeah, <laughs> Great answers. Even better answers, Mike. Great answers. Oh, you guys killed it. Thanks. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me on. Oh, dude, thank you for coming. It's been on our wish list for a while. Yeah. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Um, me and Mike also would, well, <laughs> I shouldn't talk for Mike, but I, I think he will. We want to endorse, if you haven't watched it yet, it's called Delicious in Dungeon on oh Netflix. It's, it's such an amazing show. So the premise yeah. is that they're in a dungeon and they're eating the monsters so they don't starve. <laughs> so they find all these like crazy ways to like cook up the monsters and it's such a great show. Oh, that's hilarious. Where, where are you catching it on? Uh, Netflix. Netflix. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's based off a comic. Yeah. I have not heard of that. Wow. I'm going to check it oh, out. Fun. Um, the living armor episode mm -hmm. was such a treat to watch. It was such a fun imagining of how that creature could exist in like a real ish setting. And then how you could eat it that I was like chuckling about it in bed as I was falling asleep. I was just like, as <laughs> that was so, so good. It's so fun. You know? Yeah. Oh, a new um, episode out today. I know. <laughs> I no spoilers. Okay, yeah. I'll watch it after. Haven't seen it yet. That's okay. awesome. But yeah, me and Mike, uh, we've been chatting about that quite a bit. So very it's a, cool. It's a great show. I'll have to have a look. And it's all D and D, right? Like they're yeah. Is there in a yeah? It's all D and D monsters. It's you know, there's their classes. There's a wizard and a thief and a warrior um, and a, there's a dwarf in the party. It's it's amazing. Oh that's yeah, so cool. There's a pub on the first level of the dungeon that's like in a, in the crypt as it transitions. <laughs> like I was like genius and this is like, first hang out i'm like oh my god i want to hang out here yeah <laughs> that's awesome cool well i just want to say thank you so much mike for being here today we had a great time and uh i think we're gonna wrap it up here for a second we'll be back in a couple of minutes and uh we're gonna say our goodbyes and talk a little bit about next episode so stick around everybody next time on 13 sided die Welcome back to 13 Sided Dive. It's me, Friendly Mike, with the boys. Yeah. Killed him, yeah. Buddy. He's hired. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Jim reminded me, because I completely forgot, Jim's the memory banks here, that uh, next episodes, when we have a guest, are determined by the guest.
which is awesome. I completely forgot. We did that with, with Courtney, I think, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. So uh, our good buddy here, Mike, is going to tell us what Jim and I are talking about on our next episode. Are you, are you ready to go, Mike? Absolutely. Lay it on us, brother. Um, I think your next episode should be about your favorite uh, module tropes and how they apply to one-shots versus campaign settings. That's a good topic. Yeah, love that. Isn't that fun? That's fun. <laughs> when did you come up with that one? Uh, well, not to ruin the movie magic, but Jim texted me the other day. I was like, hey, like, would you do something like this? I was like, yeah, of course. Here, right? This is already in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, because to be honest, it's like, I want to hear you guys talk about it. So it's selfish, but, but yeah, that's cool. That's, that's a lot the, of fun. You know, that's a perk of being a guest on our show. Yeah, that's right, actually. <laughs> yeah, very fun. That's cool. Well, you guys got just so much uh, DM experience under your belts, right? And you both have, like, pretty different styles of DMing, so I'm, like, yeah. so curious to hear your takes on this. Yeah, that, it is true. Um, you know, and that's probably the beauty of, you know, this thing we call Dungeons & Dragons is that there's no right way to do it. It's just the way that you do it and the way that you do it that your players like and you tailor that way of doing it to, you know, what works. And it's really cool because everyone's game is quite different and that's really neat. Even like if you play the same module, it's a different flavor, which is cool. I once got told a piece of advice that I absolutely loved. And it's definitely something that only applies to contemporary gaming because mm-hmm. back in the day it was harder to find tables. Um, but the advice was, uh, find your table, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, that always stuck with me. Cause I was like, dude, you're right. Like nowadays there's so many options. There's so many yeah. like people running games. Yeah. There's a point like if, if you're not feeling it or, yeah, or even from a DM's perspective, if you're not feeling how the parties are playing it, you're not obligated to continue, no. you know? Because the next the next group of adventurers is right around the corner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just say, "Listen, I don't think we should date anymore. I think we should just be friends." Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the end of the campaign, and you kind of look for a different partner. <laughs> crush, crush them with a bunch of rocks, and then call <laughs> it good. No, you're right, Mike. Is and, and you know, it, I mean, my model always is that it, you got to be having fun. And it's got to be fun for the DM and it's going to be fun for the players and fun for the group. And if you're not having fun, there's no sense doing it mm-hmm. plain and simple, you know, and fun is different. Fun is not just funny. Fun is like, Oh man, this is scaring the shit out of me. I love it. Or this is fun because I'm trying to solve what the hell's going on. It's very intricately laid out plot. I want to solve it. That's fun. You know, I love getting together these people because they're a group, great bunch of people. That's fun. And so it's, it's got to be fun and you're right you have to find the right group mm-hmm. and that's not always e- that's not easy like you know sometimes it falls into place but you might have to search a little but when you find that group you know like the, you know the, the the bunch of fools i have right now that w- that i'm you know running a game with um we've been playing it's it's over seven years now and it's tight and it's awesome and everyone loves each other and we get along so well and we just have a blast and there's so much knowledge from each other because they know each other so well i mean some of them are family members and some are close friends and all that kind of stuff so it's like it's people who know each other but it just it blends do you know what i mean and it's like it's so cool and that's 
oh man, I thank every time we play the game, I thank everybody and I just thank the, the stars because it's so fun. Um, so it's important to find those people. It's important to find your group. That's an eerie silence. <laughs> I thought the mics dropped out. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, I have a quote I'd like to read. Um, this person said, Dude, best episode yet. I loved this episode. It was so neat with the character creation because I had a total different interpretation on how I would have fleshed out that character. So, so cool. I'd like to thank uh, Friendly Mike Tattoos for posting that comment. And uh, that was very nice of them. Oh, hey, no problem. It's true. It's <laughs> funny. I was like, I would have gone a completely different direction. <laughs> and that goes to what we were just saying, right? Like, that's what's so great about this game is that it's, it's, the, it's however you want to do it, you know? And you can play the same module five times with a different group. And I guarantee you, every game is going to be totally different. Oh uh, yeah, and I'm a sucker for um <laughs> maybe we all are. I don't know what it is about these imaginary people, but like once they start coming to life, yeah, they stick with me. Oh yeah. Know? And it, it's like one of those things that like hooks me back into uh repeat campaigns, right? It's like I want to get to know these characters more. I want to like you know, I I, I I, I don't I don't understand what it is about them, but it's so interesting. It's so fun. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, I, the thing that I always saw, I think about it. I've said this before is, you know, the amount of characters that we have that are like stuck in mid pose where the game ended and you didn't know, but that was the end of the campaign. Like it just fell apart. You know what I mean? For whatever reason. And you have all these characters that are stuck in motion waiting and they'll just never get to complete what they're going to do. And I yeah. feel my, my heart kind of breaks for all those characters. I like but to I, think they have little farms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like in my <laughs> head, every time I think about old campaigns that we never finished, I always think about that. They're still off doing adventures. while I'm yeah. like without us, you know, yeah, without yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or they're like they're like the Skyrim guy. You know, like, I, I was an adventurer like you until I took an arrow in the knee. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or until my player abandoned me, which is yeah. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, why don't we kind of wrap the uh, night up? I think our, our good buddy uh, Mike has a bad joke for us. All right, here we go. Why do musicians make great scavengers? Why? They're always looting. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, sorry. Oh, and don't never apologize. That's a that's a really good one. Yeah, I, I like awesome. it. Cool. Well, I think we're going to call it there on that happy note. Uh, a big, big thank you to our friend, Mike. Uh, what a great guest. And like I said, if you're not Ooh. following Mike, please friendly Mike tattoos on Instagram, super talented, super genuinely nice dude. Uh, please, please follow him. And as always, big thanks to my buddy, Jim. Uh, couldn't do this here without you, man. And uh, what, a, what a great night. I love you guys. This was definitely one of the best podcasts we've done so far. We're gonna we're gonna win awards for this one. Knuckleheads <laughs> yeah. talking smack. Yeah, our, our, our four listeners, with one of them being here right now, are just gonna like rate this high. 
Yeah, we we love you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, gents. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we will see everyone out there uh, hopefully soon, maybe within two weeks, Jim, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> All right. Take Bye, care, everybody. Bye, guys. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Bobble and Torture Device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.